What sets Wayne State University apart? You can...
Good morning and welcome. This is my new lower voice that I'll be using today. And I would appreciate prayers during the service that I still have one by the end of the service. We want to welcome everyone here today, those who are watching on the live stream. Welcome home. Welcome home to Trinity. And we're here today to bless the Lord, to lift up his name. Last evening, we had a wonderful night of worship and praise here at the, at the house of the Lord. And uh, some of you were watching on live stream. Others were gathered here. But I encourage you, go on onto the website and uh, check it out. You'll be blessed. It was a great time. I was entirely frustrated. I wanted to sing along, but I had no voice. I, I wanted to make a joyful noise, but I couldn't find my tambourine. I've got it now. Standing up was a problem as well, but I'm here today, and I'm going to do my best. I'm going to make a joyful noise. How about you? I'm going to give some praise to my God and my King. I'm going to bless his name in the house. Let everything that has breath praise he, the Lord. Would you stand with me right now? I'm going to take one of the announcements away from, from JR. Many of you have, have signed up for our fellowship luncheon afterwards, and uh, we prepared that amount. Uh, be sure, and if you signed up, please show up. And uh, we also want to remind you this coming week, this Friday night, is our worker volunteer appreciation banquet and please sign up so we know how many to prepare for if you have served in any capacity in this past year whether working in our outreaches or uh, trunk or treat or teaching a Sunday school class or singing on the worship team well while we're talking about the worship team how about a round of applause for our worship team Be sure and sign up in the South Lobby for the Appreciation Banquet this coming week. Let's pray right now. Father, we come in the name that makes the people shout for joy. You're our Savior, our Redeemer, our Healer, our Deliverer, our Lord, our Provider, our Rock, our Fortress, our strong tower. You're the one who gives life when there's death. You're the one who brings hope when there's none. We give you praise today. We come in that name of Jesus and we lift up praise. Some of us, Father, today, our voices are weak, but our praise is strong. We're going to make a joyful noise unto the Lord and give you praise. Receive our praise, Father God, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen.
for this amazing worship team and what they did last night. And then also, if you could do me a favor, you could turn around and give a, our AV team a round of applause as well. They did an amazing job every day. And while we have their attention, before you sit down, uh, Mr. Music is going to put a song on, and I want to just take some time to have some fellowship with each other today. Let's do double fist bump. Double fist bump.
Everybody, let's bring it back in, please. Go ahead, find your seats. I have to say it was such a shame that you couldn't find your tambourine yesterday, Pastor. I was, I really missed it. I'm glad you have it back today, though. That's good. Well, I want to welcome everybody to Trinity. Uh, my lovely grandfather, Jamarcus, if you could come up front for me. If you're a guest here visiting with us today, we want to welcome you. Um, this dashing young fellow, and yes, I use young very lightly, um, but this dashing, handsome young man, um, he will have a card for you if you could just raise your hand and he can give you the card. Fill it out for us. Just some of your information. That way we can keep in touch with you and you can keep up to date with everything that's going around or going on around here. So if we get a round of applause for our guests today. Uh, as Pastor said earlier, uh, if you signed it, signed up for the luncheon for today, um, please, we'd be glad to have you there. Just want to put out that reminder if you signed up for it. Um, and as he said as well, remember to sign up for the volunteer banquet on Friday. And if you're able to come out for that, make sure you sign up if you help in any means of ministry that we have here at the church. Tonight is a pretty big night for the Rangers and Missionettes. We have our yearly Pinewood Derby going to be out in the barn. That's going to be at 6 o'clock. Um, so if you're able to come and join us for that, it's going to be a great time of fellowship. And I know the kids really enjoy it, so come and support them in that if you're able to. Like always, we want to invite you, if you're able to come out on Wednesdays, we have services at 10 a.m. We have a 10 a.m. Bible study, as well as other services throughout the evening, starting at 7 for all ages and all age groups. And we'd love to see you come out for that. If you are a man, we would love to see you come out Saturday, bright and early, 8 a.m. And we are going to be continuing our series from Pastor Jamie on demons. Um, for men's breakfast, so that's going to be a great part two, and you're not going to want to miss it, so if you're able to come out, and we'll have you home before the game, I mean, it's even a night game, so don't worry about that. Also, there's a board meeting Saturday for you older folk who are on the board. <laughs> all right, all right, sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, I would like to invite Pastor to come take over for offering. Thank you, JR. Praise God. I'm going to ask the ushers to come right now. We're going to give our tithes, our offerings, our gifts of love to our Heavenly Father today. 
And as we do so, Janet is going to be coming to share a word of testimony and to share a song with us as well. It was my pleasure to have her in my Sunday school class today. And she read from the Tongalese Bible. And uh, we're so happy to have her as a part of the fellowship here. Would you pray with me now? Heavenly Father, as we come in Jesus' name, we thank you for the privilege of giving to the work and the cause of Jesus Christ. As we give to you, lives can be touched, souls can be saved, situations can be turned around. We give you praise, Father. We ask you to put a blessing upon each gift and each one who gives. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Facebook, I don't check anything. 
So I just hear everything from people. If you am going, people will talk about it. I, I just, I don't know. I don't know how my myself. So uh, I will be thank you for putting a GC program. And my my story just changing. I will say thank you for this people put me in this uh, position. And uh, it's a hard, but uh, here I am. I thank everybody. I thank this for ch this church. Uh, uh, when I come here, they don't know me. They don't know why I'm here. So it's uh, difficult, but I stay because of Jesus. I I love Jesus from all of my heart. I want to save Jesus. I want to be Christianity. I don't want to say so many things. This uh, position is not like, a, I know people made it, but God made it through them. God want them to put me to this position. So I thank who put me in this position. I thank them. I thank this uh, uh, church. I thank all over the world who helped me through uh, uh, TikTok. People uh, uh, encourage me, advise me. I thank all of that. And uh, I want to save Jesus for all my life. I don't know why it's going to take me out of uh, Jesus. Because this is the way my heart feels to save Jesus. I want to be Christianity. So uh, thank you, all of you. Uh, I, don't say, I don't remember everything to say, but I just put it this way. Uh, thank you, uh, thank you, thank you. Uh, I've been, I've been uh, making a lot of mistakes. But if you... You know, make a mistake. You know how you can learn it from it. Now I learn everything. I want to stay for Jesus, only Jesus. I don't want to make that mistake anymore. So, and anybody is here facing this uh, problem too, does nothing is hard for Jesus to change. Jesus can change your life too. If He do it for me, He can do it for you too. So, uh, put your faith in Jesus. Believe in him. Everything is going on, just believe in Jesus. Jesus is good all the time. Uh, I have a song to sing. I desire to follow Jesus. I desire to follow Jesus, I desire to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. I desire to follow Jesus. I desire. To follow Jesus, I desire.
Ti in my language too. Medo no baby, mana yesu yo Medo no baby, mana wala yo me. Medo no baby, mana yesu yo Tra tra melio, tra tra.
praise and honor. Lift up the name of Jesus in the house. Could you do that right now? Give him some praise. Lift up the name of Jesus. God. You may be seated. Thank you, worship team. I'll apologize once and then I'm not going to apologize again. Straight lemon juice. <clears throat> It'll set you free. I'm going to need some help preaching today. And I know some of you are thinking, well, it's about time you asked. I, I, uh, if I'm running short of volume and shouts, when I lift up my right hand, somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. That was lame at best. Hallelujah. This one's praise the Lord. Well, that's more than I've gotten over the last six weeks. I, you know, so give glory to God. We've been looking at giants in the land. This series has taken us from Genesis, and we've looked at portions of Scripture throughout the Bible. There were, in fact, in Genesis chapter 6, giants in the land. How they got here? Some debate it, but the fact is there were giants in the land and they were ungodly. They were wicked. The Bible tells us that these giants in the land along with others at that time, 
that didn't appear as large as the giants were just as sinful and just as evil as the giants. And a flood came and took it all down. And we find out there's giants coming up later. They obviously were not the kin of those because those were dead in the flood. At least that's what my Bible says. They perished in the flood. We looked at different aspects of these giants in the land and compared them to spiritual giants that are still around today. Things that are larger than life and that are putting the fear into people, even the people of God. Gigantic problems and situations that are faced. We looked in the first week at the giant of compromise. How that godly people melded with ungodly people and the result was not half good people and half bad people, but all evil. When good compromises with evil, evil has already won. The scripture that we looked at in Genesis 6, 1 through 5 said, It came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves in all whom they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, but he is indeed flesh. Let his days shall be 120 years. There were giants on the earth in those days and also afterward. When the sons of God came to the daughters of men and they bore children to them, those were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually the giant of compromise. We have the Word of God, but we cannot compromise it with, with what makes the world comfortable. We live in a day and a time where that giant of compromise is everywhere. God's Word is put on the shelf, and man's opinion is put on the front burner. We don't want to offend anyone with the truth of God's Word. No, 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 no. But compromise will kill off righteousness. We also began to explore what the Word of God said about compromise. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14 and follow says, 
Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Now, some have just talked about this in marital relationships, but it applies in a wide variety. Who you hang with, who you're trying to associate with can affect who you are. Growing up in our household, we witnessed this on numerous occasions in various churches where we pastored various situations. We could always tell which children our children had been playing with. Because attitudes were taken on that were not the attitudes and the behavior that we wanted. I've told you before of one particular individual. My, my son Philip was just a little toddler at the time, and we were pioneering a church in Oxford, Ohio, and one of the initial charter members of the church lived just down the street from where we rented. And the young child in that family had a nasty habit of whining about everything. And it wasn't long till I heard my son whining with the best of them. Do not be unequally yoked together because you will not necessarily make the other better. They will draw you in to compromise. Do not be unequally yoked together for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness and what communion has light with darkness and what accord has Christ with Belial or the devil? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of God. Well, pastor, what are we to do? Are we not to hang around with anybody? No. It's talking being yoked with them and allowing righteousness to be compromised in their presence. We can't afford to do it. We need to let the light shine. Amen? Thank you for your help. We secondly looked at the giant of the ignorance of God's word and God's ways. It is gigantic today. There's a spiritual famine in the land today for the word of God, rightly divided. In the book of Ruth, it tells how that in Bethlehem there was a famine for bread. 
Interestingly enough, Bethlehem means house of bread. A famine in the house of bread for bread. So how can it be? I think it's in there for a reason and a purpose to remind us that you can have a name that you're the house of bread. But if there's no bread there, there's a famine. Churches today can become places of famine where we're supposed to be, where the bread of life is shared and lifted up. There's a famine in the land for the Word of God. Oh, not words of encouragement and words to pump people up. I'm sorry, my role is not to, as the old TV uh, comedy skit, to pump you up. That's not my role. I don't want you to come in here saying, well, I'm weak and I'm poorly, but pastor's going to say things going to pump me up. If pastor's words can pump you up, the devil can put a pin to it and deflate you in a hurry. I know you're confused. This one's hallelujah. This one's praise the Lord. How about if I do this one and that's an amen? You're going to be so confused by the time you get out of here. There's a famine in the land for the word of God. People are being taught how to be prosperous when they should be taught how to be holy in God's sight. Feeling good about yourself has been replaced by, has replaced being truly good in God's sight. The quest for happiness has replaced a quest for holiness and dedication to God. There's a giant in the land of a famine for God's Word. We need to not only study it, we need to apply it. We need to not be afraid to share it with others. We looked at another giant. So we looked at the words of the spies who went into the promised land. The land that God had already promised them, they were just to go over and bring it back a report so the people wanted to go there. But it didn't work out that way. They went over there and they saw giants in the land. And they said, we were in our own sight and in their sight just like grasshoppers that they could stomp on and be rid of. Giants of fear. The giants of faithlessness are a big giant today as well. We see the problems that are all around us. That's easy. A person who's blind can see the problems that we have in our world. But if God's already given you the city, you need to shout the shout of victory. God's going to bring the victory. 
You realize the children of Israel, when they marched around Jericho, this would be a good place for a... When they marched around the city of Jericho, their shout was not what brought the walls down. Their shout was a reminder that God brought the walls down. We need to realize our victory is not going to be ours. It's the Lord's victory. I'm going to give up on it. here folks are fighting a battle I got no voice there were giants in the land last week we looked at the five little stones that David picked up and put in the pouch and we learned that don't underestimate or look past the giant you're facing but likewise don't underestimate the, the God that you serve the giant was real that David faced. The giants that we're facing are real. But our God is greater. He's greater than any giant we face. We get closer to him. And the giants see who we're standing with. And they fear too. The giant over worry over what might happen can conquer you in your present life. The little stones that we suggested might represent faith and prayer and obedience, courage and trust in God. With God's aim, they can bring down any giant that you face. We want to look at some other giants in the land today as we finalize this series would you stand with me, please, for the reading of God's holy word? <coughs> when the Lord led me to this portion of Scripture, I had a voice. And uh, as I read it today, I am scared of this portion of Scripture because there's words in here I cannot pronounce on a good day. Turn, if you would, to 2 Samuel chapter 21 and beginning with verse number 18. Now it happened afterward that there was a, again a battle with the Philistines at Gob. Then Sibachai, the Hushahite, killed Saph, who was one of the sons of the giant. Again, there was war at Gob, and the Philistines, where Elahanan, the son of Jare Origen, the Bethlehemite, killed the brother of Goliath, the Giddite the shaft of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. Yet again, there was war at Gath, where there was a man of great stature who had six fingers on each hand, six toes on each foot, 24 in number, my, my, 
and he also was born to the giant. So when he defiled Israel, Jonathan the son of Shemiah, David's brother, killed him. These four were born to the giant in Gath and fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servant. Father God, help us to look at the sons of the giants that we face that can loom just as large and be just as intimidating as the first ones we faced. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. There has been much confusion about whether these four other giants were the brothers of Goliath or his sons. The scripture here makes it pretty clear if you understand the terminologies. There were four brothers who were the sons of Goliath of Gath. They were each other's brothers, not Goliath's. It's not about their identity. It's just letting us know there was four of them and they were just as big and just as mean and just as ugly as their daddy ever was. They were not to be taken lightly just because one giant had fallen at the hand of David did not mean there were not other giants to fight. Just because you've experienced one victory over a gigantic obstacle thrown your way does not mean that giant doesn't have some kids floating around that are just as big and just as large and should not be taken for granted. Here we find that Goliath found a woman to marry and they had four kids and all of these boys were giants just like their daddy. If they were just like their daddy, we found out earlier that from a young lad, Goliath had been trained in warfare. He had armor that was fit to his specifications. How would you like to be the fellow who had to find shoes for that one giant that had the six toes on each feet and buy gloves for the winner for that boy too? The giants were just as real even though they were second generation. They were just as fierce but our scripture today, which I haltingly read with all those pronunciations, tells us one thing. It wasn't just David who was able to slay the giant. His followers, those who walked and talked and worked with him, 
we're capable of taking down giants no matter their size, no matter their strength, no matter their ability. It's one of the things that the Spirit of the Lord was impressed upon me as we were looking at this series. It's an easy thing to lapse into the, the mindset, well, that was David that took down that giant. Or that was this person who took down that giant. I'm no David. I don't have his skills. I don't have his abilities. I don't even have his faith. But the good news is, child of God, you have his same God as your God. Slip one in on you and only one person caught it. There we go. <clears throat> I'm going to need to shout louder in a few moments and loosen my voice. You see, it's not about you. It's about the God you serve. I don't feel up to the task that's before me. But I serve a God who's up to the task of bringing down giants. We don't know the name of everybody who slew a giant, but they all came down. We know relationships of some of David's servants and brothers who took down giants. But you know what? It was the same God who gave them the victory. Your victory in life over the gigantic obstacles will not come because of you, but whose you are. It will not come because of your ability. Giants will never be afraid of you. They will look at you and they will mock you and whether it's compromise or it's a lack of the knowledge of God's Word or other things that we'll discuss today, worry and faithlessness and fear, giants are not afraid of you because they know you. How many of you know yourself to know you're no match for the handiwork of the enemy in yourself? If you don't know that, you've already been defeated, my friend. But know this, there hasn't been a giant born. There hasn't been a problem rise that will not fall before the mighty hand of Almighty God. When you're starting to become fearful, how many of you know what I'm talking about? I'm going to raise my hand. This is not a hallelujah moment. How many of you know what I'm talking about? When you look at some of the things you're facing, the attacks of the enemy that you're facing, you don't feel like you're going to make it. I mean, anybody know what I'm talking about? Good. But don't let that bring you to fear. Let that bring you to nudging up closer to God than you've ever been before because I guarantee you this. Though the giant is not afraid of you, he will taunt you and cause fear if you let him.
But the God that you serve has not lost a step. He's the same God that was walking with David when one stone flew to the place where the armor wasn't. And the giant that caused everybody else fear, all of his brothers, the king of Israel, the entire army fell because of God using David to bring it down. Use the times right now to get as close to God as you can possibly get. Don't become wayward. Don't wander off. If you've ever been into a large crowd with children, and one of the greatest fears that I ever had was when we'd go to a large gathering that they would get lost. And how in the world would we ever find them? And so you hold on tight. And sometimes they, how many of you ever had this happen? You're holding on tight to their coat and they slip out of their coat. Kids are resourceful. But you know what? Your God wants to hold tight to you. And he needs you to hold tight to his hand. I can't sing it today, but a great old song that I used to love to try and sing. Hold to God's unchanging hand. You want to hold to God's unchanging hand. Build your hope on things eternal. And hold to God's unchanging hand. God doesn't waver at the giants that are facing you. Get closer to God. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. But I need to move on to these other giants. You see, we see the giant Goliath that fell before David. But ultimately, David fell to another giant in his life. He was defeated not by a massive, massive, big, nine and a half foot tall enemy, but by lust in his heart. It might get real quiet in here. The lust in his heart brought down a David who brought down the giant. David was supposed to be leading the troops into battle. That was what he was supposed to be doing. But he decided to stay back. We just covered this months ago in our study of David in the Bible studies on Wednesday. He was supposed to be leading the troops, giving them encouragement and battle strategy. He was a master strategist, but he decided he was just going to kick back and relax and just kind of roam around the palace. It was nice and quiet when the army was out of town. And of an evening, he's out walking on the, the porch 
And he looks down. And that wasn't his problem. It was his second look. And his gaze. And the lust in his heart that he saw for Bathsheba. And he had to have her. He knew better. He knew. Read the Psalms. He knew better. He had a relationship with God, but a tiny little lust brought down the giant slayer named David. And not only that, but the lust in his heart didn't seem all that big, but ultimately it brought down his kingship. Ultimately, it brought down him to the place where he became a murderer. One glance, and then the second glance. And the lust that was conceived in his heart brought down what Goliath couldn't bring down. Sometimes we think the big giants are the ones going to get you. Sometimes it's the thoughts and intents of the heart that'll break it down. Jesus spoke about lust. Jesus said in Mark 4, And these are those which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of of other things entering in chokes the word and it becomes unfruitful. The word there that's translated as lust or desire is a word that I'm not even going to try and pronounce today with my limited vocal abilities, but it means a desire and a longing for that which is forbidden a desire and a longing for that which is forbidden. David knew better. David knew better than to conceive in his heart. He used his power and position to bring that married woman, Bathsheba, into his bedroom. He used his power and position to try and manipulate things so his sin would not be found out. He used his power and position to try to cover up his sin and ultimately sacrificed her husband who was fighting for Israel on the altar of his lust. He thought he was clear. He thought no one knew. But God, my friend, is always watching. If you think that you have hidden your sin, your thought life, your lustful desires, your desires that, that you say, well, they're just thoughts, but they can give rise to action. The lust of other things brought down Somebody the giant could not. Forbidden by God on purpose. You see, 
It begins with a thought. It begins with the second glance. It begins with thinking that you do not have any application of God's words to you. You're different. You're the exception. You can get away with it. My friends, God is watching. Say, well, pastor, this is a Christian group. What, what are you going with this? Because David was a godly man. The apple, a man after God's own heart. And if a guy like that can fall prey to lust, there's not a one of us, not a one of us, that's immune. He didn't conquer lust and sexual desire, and he fell. He wasn't where he was supposed to be. He needed to be engaged in the work that he was supposed to be doing. We need to be engaged in the work that we're supposed to be doing. I mentioned this to our Bible study. I've, over the years, I've had people come up to me and say, Pastor, well, uh, I've decided I'm doing things in the church. I decided just kind of take a, uh, you know, take some time off and just refresh. And I've been serving the Lord and teaching this and doing that. And I'm just going to take a, some time off and just get refreshed. And I encourage them not to do that because it's been my experience if you're not engaged in doing what you're supposed to be doing, you'll start doing what you're not supposed to be doing. I've watched people wander away from God. I've watched people lose the sharpness of their witness when they weren't engaged every day in serving God. You see, we have a job to do. You say, yes, I, I'm employed here, and I'm, this is my job but you have a higher calling, my friend. You are not just a person on a job. You are God's person on that job. God has a work for you to do. And if you're backing off, you're sloughing off. Satan doesn't slough off. And he needs, he needs to know that there's somebody on the job that's going to fight him tooth and nail for the soul's of the people you work with. David shirked his mission and succumbed to his lust and his thoughts. It started with that second glance. And then he developed a plan. And he involved other people in the plan. The first was an accident. The second was strategy and plot. Some people here today are grappling with your thought life. We live in a time that our media is flooding with sexual content and temptation and perversion. The big giant didn't get him, but the little giant did. The son of the giant got to him. Impure thoughts. You say, well, you can't, you can't keep from having impure thoughts. But as my grandma used to say, you can't 
can't keep the birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from nesting in your hair. You've got to come against those thoughts and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. You see, David had other giants, the giant of lust and his thought life and thinking he was immune to temptation. And that giant brought him down. But David had other problems, didn't he? He was running from Saul. He had been promised that he was the next king. Saul kind of figured that out when they were saying, David has slain his, uh, Saul has slain his thousands and David ten thousands and got on the wrong side of the king. And the king was hunting him down and trying to destroy him, but God preserved David, didn't he? God preserved him. But David decided, I'm tired of this. I've got my own plan rather than God's plan. That's a giant problem today. We think we know better than God. And so David decided, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go over to the dark side. I'm going to go over. I'm going to live among the Philistines, our mortal enemies, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to be protected there. Saul won't come after me there, and I can lie, and I can deceive, and I can uh, do whatever I want to do. And he lived among the Philistines, killing Philistines and lying about it of his allegiance. The king of the Philistines even trusted him, but a lot of people else didn't. And we find out that there was not a single psalm of praise written during the time he was doing it his way rather than God's way. The gigantic tendency to lie and deceive to get your own way is a giant that David couldn't defeat till he repented. It's a massive giant today, your own way, my own way. The Word says this, but that book I read says that. I want to do it my way, but God has charted a different course, and I choose my way. David ultimately repented, but he'd set up a pattern that somebody was watching. I'm speaking a word to someone here today. I don't know who. It's good that I don't know. This is from God's Holy Spirit to someone here today or someone watching. I don't know. You say, well, I can handle these thoughts that I'm having. I can handle these things. I'm living a lie, but, but uh, I, I, can, I can handle it. I, I'm not going to let it affect anybody else. I'm not, not going to affect my family. But while David was lying and distorting, somebody obviously was watching. Watch the whole scenario of the Bathsheba incident. His son, Absalom. And later on, that same giant of deceit rose up in his son. And Absalom went to the leaders. He wanted to be king. 
And he'd go to the leaders and he said, you know, if only I were king, I'd do this and I'd do that. And David was, was, was just mourning the loss of the child who was born to he and, and to Bathsheba. And Absalom used that time to weave a web of deceit that ultimately cost David his throne and David had to run from his own son who had deceived people. You see, the giants in our lives have kids. And it springs to the second and third generation. I'm not talking about generational curses. I don't believe in that. But I believe that if you set a pattern, your pattern's going to be followed by those who are watching your life. And some of you, some, someone here today, I don't know who, you're setting up patterns that people are going to follow that you don't want them to follow. Settle it here today in an altar of prayer. Your thought life, your imaginations, the things that you think nobody else knows about. God is speaking to hearts today. He knows. Whether the ads on TV, I was, I was playing an, what I thought was a harmless word game on my phone the other day. Just trying to connect words. That's all I was doing. Trying, and boom. An ad appears on there that I had to quickly shut down that app because it was trying to put in some thoughts into my mind that would lead me astray. Folks, it can happen just like that. Just like that. Well, it's just a movie. It's just a singer that I like who propagates ungodly things. It's just a, it's just, it's music. It's, there's nothing to that music until you find out what's behind the singer of the song. Folks, the giants are there. They may not appear as big as others, but they're just as real and they're just as destructive. I want to conclude today the series about giants to let you know None of the giants that you and I face are afraid of us. But they're terrified when you start holding on to the hand of the mighty God and God walks with you. And the Lord is your shepherd. I shall not want, I shall not fear, no matter what I'm walking through, not because I'm big and strong and brave and bold, but it's who I'm walking with. God's bigger than any giant that we will face. He can guide us to victory if we'll only call out to him. Victory over spiritual compromise. Can I get an amen? Victory over ignorance of God's word and God's ways. Can I get a witness? Victory over fear and faithlessness. Somebody shout. Victory over worry and fretting. Victory over lustful desires and sinful thoughts. Victory over lies and deceptions.
Bring your giant to the altar, whatever he or she may be today. Lay it at the feet of the Lord, and you just draw closer to God today. Giants fall before God as you fall before him too. I'm going to ask you to stand. Say, well, Pastor, I was expecting some bombastic answer to tackling the giants. It's a simple one. Get closer to the God who can defeat them. You're a fool if you think you're going to defeat him. Or that Goliath is going to stand there and say, oh, he's got stones and slings. and nah. But when God steps in, giants fall. Giants fall. As the worship team returns to the song of invitation, just a few moments we're going to be sharing the emblems of the greatest victory over the giant of sin of all time, what Jesus did on the cross for us. And our relationship to him is because of this. Use this as a time to draw close to God. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And giants hate that. But God, loves that. Father, today, in halting voice and in shaky speech, we've tried to share what you laid upon our hearts. Other giants that don't seem quite as large, but they're just as destructive. The lust, impure thoughts, fleshly desires forbidden fruit Father God you want to deliver us from those giants as well Father we open up this place of prayer and we invite you to meet people here as they come and determined to draw closer to you, mighty God. Set the giants on notice. Victory is going to come when we humble ourselves before the almighty God. We prepare our hearts today, Father, to remember the sacrifice of Jesus who won the victory
we're not going to linger long, but I've got to give you an invitation right now. Would you come? Would you come find a place to pray? A place to get near to the God who wants to give you victory over the giants of your life. Some battling thoughts, come and bring it to Jesus today. Come and bring it to Jesus today.
is a God who conquers giants in the land. We give you praise for it today, Father. As people are still seeking the Lord around the altar, I invite the, the brethren to come. We're going to serve the emblems, the reminders, the greatest victory of all time that was won over death, hell, and the grave. A reminder of Jesus' shed blood. If you know Jesus as your Savior, you are invited to participate, to take the bread and the cup as it's passed amongst you. If you do not know the Lord as your Savior, why not right now call upon the name of the Lord? Say, Lord, forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. Be my Savior and my God. And then partake of this reminder of what he did for you.
chastisement for our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed if there's sickness in your body today plead this sacrifice of Jesus that by his stripes there's healing take and eat the bread and remember his body was broken for you
thank you for being with us here today, either by video or in person. Many of you have signed up to be a part of that fellowship dinner today. That'll be commencing in just a few moments downstairs in the fireside room. We likewise remind you of a time to celebrate our our young people at the at the barn tonight. They're going to have a Pinewood Derby, and they need people to cheer them on. Folks in this world in which we live today, we need to be cheering on our kids. Let them know that godly people are praying for them. No matter what they face, that we're, we're in their corner. We're going to be there for them. I encourage you to join me tonight at that gathering at 6 o'clock in the barn. Go and tell somebody today, you serve a God who knocks down giants. Go in his grace. Go in his peace.